Hello and welcome to another episode of the Thriving Metabolism, where we discuss everything that impacts your hormones and metabolism so that you can take control, repair the damage and lose weight consistently without making yourself miserable in the process. Most weight loss strategies and diets actually do harm to your metabolism, resulting in further weight gain down the road. And it can be a particular challenge for women over 40 due to hormonal and metabolic changes. So it's my mission to empower you so that you and your metabolism thrives and you never have to go through diet misery again. I'm Louise Digby, registered nutritional therapist, weight loss expert, and founder of The Nourish Method to Lasting Fat Loss. Today, we are focusing on fasting. And this is a trend that has really taken off in recent years with some very persuasive research supporting it. So should we all be fasting regularly? What if you don't feel so hot when you're fasting? Is it worth the struggle? What are some of the negatives of fasting? especially as a woman who's trying to balance her hormones and lose weight without regaining, is it helpful then? Well, I'm here to answer these questions for you so that you know everything you need to know about fasting. First things first, let's talk about what intermittent fasting is. Essentially, it's a way of eating where you cycle between periods of eating and periods of fasting. And there are different ways to do it, but one common method is the 16-8 approach, where you fast for 16 hours, usually overnight, and you eat within an eight hour window. And this is known as time-restricted feeding. Another popular approach is the 5-2 method, where you eat normally for five days of the week and then you restrict calories to typically 500 to 600 for the other two days. Now, you might be thinking, why would I want to voluntarily skip meals and starve myself? Well, the truth is, intermittent fasting has been shown to have some pretty impressive health benefits beyond just weight loss. Studies have shown that it can improve insulin sensitivity, reduce inflammation, improve brain function, support gut repair, and even increase longevity. But of course, we're here to talk about weight loss specifically. When you fast, your body taps into its fat stores for energy, which leads to fat loss. Plus, by restricting your eating window, you naturally reduce the number of calories that you consume, which can also contribute to weight loss. Though, as you'll know from previous episodes, there's a lot more to weight loss than simply restricting calories. And there are even cases where increasing calories can support weight loss. And if that's news to you, then I would suggest you go back and listen to the first episode. Now that's the basics of it, but it's important to note that intermittent fasting isn't a magic bullet. You can't just fast for a few hours and expect to magically lose weight, especially if you don't have some core foundations in place. And it's important to look deeper 
than just food and exercise. You know, I've talked at length in previous episodes about how stress and sleep and environmental toxins, gut health, deficiencies, and much more all contribute to stubborn weight. So intermittent fasting can be a helpful addition, but there are some caveats. When we work with our clients in the Nourish Method, we never introduce fasting into the picture until at least a few months into the program because it's really important to have a solid foundation in place first. If your diet isn't meeting your nutritional needs, if your blood sugars are up and down like a yo-yo, if you're not sleeping well, dehydrated, if you are in a pattern of trying to be good for days and then falling off the weekend, fasting is not gonna make those things better. It's gonna make them worse and it's gonna make you feel a whole lot worse too. If you don't have the foundations in place, you're gonna be really hungry and you're gonna be craving and tired and grouchy, probably sleeping badly and pretty miserable overall. And even if you do have a solid foundation in place, it may still not be a good idea to bring in fasting. So let's talk about how fasting impacts female hormones. First things first, let's talk about estrogen. Estrogen is a hormone that's responsible for the development and the regulation of the female reproductive system. And studies have shown that fasting can actually lower estrogen levels in women. So if you're someone who struggles with estrogen dominance, which can lead to symptoms like bloating and mood swings and weight gain, fasting may be a helpful tool for you. If, however, your estrogen level is low, which may be the case for someone who is nearing menopause, then fasting could make estrogen decline faster. And as such, fasting can cause disruptions to your menstrual cycle and your menopausal symptoms. So if you're someone who struggles with irregular periods or other menstrual issues, fasting might not be the best choice for you. Recent research has looked at female hormones and fasting and determined that fasting is most likely to be helpful for women who have PCOS or polycystic ovaries because of how it helps to lower estrogen, testosterone and blood sugars. We also know that fasting can cause problems for people who are fatigued, stressed or have underactive thyroid. We need to acknowledge that fasting is stressful for your body. And if you have any thyroid problem or are highly stressed or burnt out, then it's just gonna make those problems worse. Stress and thyroid problems are key contributors to weight gain. So these are scenarios where fasting could actually cause weight gain. I've worked with many women who have come to me having been doing a lot of fasting and calorie restriction, as well as intense exercise, who were gaining weight. And, you know, that can be a really scary experience because it's like, what the hell? You know, I'm barely eating. I'm literally starving myself, but the scales are going up. And, you know, it's because your body is under severe stress and our bodies are designed for survival. 
And if you're starving yourself, that stress response is going to kick in where your stress hormones rise and pretty much block fat burning. So if you're fasting and you're gaining or you're not losing, please stop and focus more on what your body needs. Think about what you could give your body to help it thrive and repair. You know, we're always told that eating less means that our bodies will switch to fat for fuel and we'll lose weight. And yes, that's true in metabolically healthy people. However, if you're struggling to lose weight, even if you feel healthy otherwise, then there's a problem with fat burning and you are not metabolically healthy. And in someone who isn't metabolically healthy, that switch to the fat stores doesn't happen efficiently. And what they don't tell you is that we actually need a lot of nutrients to be able to burn fat. We actually test this fat burning process and show our clients the fat burning chemical reaction that's happening in their bodies when we work with them in the nourish method. And so often we find that they are not efficiently burning fat. And to burn fat, we need carnitine, which is an amino acid, B vitamins, and magnesium. So if you're starving yourself, or if you're not eating nourishing foods between fasts, then you're going to have a problem getting into fat burning because you're going to be nutritionally depleted of these fat burning nutrients. And if you're highly stressed or if you have thyroid problems, if you're burnt out, you have an even higher demand for those nutrients. So even if you feel like you're getting enough, even if you're supplementing, your body may not be getting what it needs to actually get into that fat burning. So should you go out and buy these nutrients? Well, you could, but the other problem is that you need to be able to absorb them from food or from supplements and that's a whole other topic but suffice to say it's not as simple as just supplementing you know we have to make sure your digestive system is absorbing properly too plus everyone's nutritional needs are different and so dosages of these nutrients is something that you know becomes easier to figure out with testing so to summarize be cautious when it comes to fasting But if you decide that you do want to give it a go, I've got some tips for you to help it work for you. First of all, start slowly. If you're new to intermittent fasting, don't jump right into a 16-8 schedule or a 5-2 schedule. Start with a 12-hour fast and gradually work your way up. Pretty much everyone will benefit from having a 12-hour overnight fast. Secondly, listen to your body. If you feel lightheaded or dizzy during your fast, it's okay to break it early. It doesn't mean that you failed. You know, if you're getting dizzy or shaky frequently when fasting, your blood sugars probably aren't balanced and you probably shouldn't be fasting yet. And then thirdly, make sure you stay hydrated. Drink plenty of water during your fast period to stay hydrated. We get a lot of our fluids from food, so when we miss a meal, we can be really prone to dehydration. Next, make sure you plan your meals. You know, when you're 
eating within a restricted window, it is important to plan your meals ahead of time to ensure that you're getting all the nutrients your body needs. And also to ensure that when you break your fast or you start eating, you're eating a really nourishing meal. And lastly, don't overcompensate. It's easy to fall into the trap of thinking, I'm fasting so I can eat whatever I want during my eating window. But that's not the case. It's still important to eat a balanced and healthy diet. Okay, now it's time for my favorite fact from the past week, and it's this. Prebiotics protect against jet lag and shift work symptoms. So, if you've got a big trip coming up or if you're a shift worker, then this one's for you. And it's an important one too. You know, jet lag is annoying, but shift work can put the body under a lot of stress and the disruption to your circadian rhythm, which is your sleep cycle, it can be detrimental to your long-term health. This research looked at rats, though there is more coming on humans, and they found that rats that were fed prebiotics adapted better and slept better and experienced fewer symptoms after regular disruption to their sleep-wake cycle. So, prebiotics, what are they? Well, you've probably heard of probiotics. Probiotics are beneficial bacteria, Prebiotics are fuel for bacteria, so they are different types of special fibers that feed the bacteria in your gut. When your gut bacteria munch on prebiotics, they produce what are called metabolites, which are kind of like nutrients, and your gut and brain are closely linked, and these metabolites have a beneficial effect on your brain as a result. Pretty cool, right? So prebiotics can be supplemented, but go easy because overfeeding your gut bacteria can cause gas and bloating and even diarrhea. So it's important to build up slowly. And prebiotics can also be found in lots of foods like garlic, onions, bananas, Jerusalem artichokes, asparagus, leek, oats, chicory, apple, So lots of foods that you can include in your diet to help give your gut bacteria that fuel it needs to cope with jet lag and shift work. Okay, now it's time for my listener's question. And this one is following on from my HRT episode a couple of weeks ago. Let me just get it up in front of me. She said, I listened with interest to your podcast and I have a question. Do women who have a marina coil fitted require to also take additional bioidentical progesterone if they are subscribed an estrogen patch? And is it worth paying to get bioidentical hormones as opposed to body identical? Okay, so just a reminder that I'm not a doctor and you should discuss this with your healthcare provider. So In that HRT episode, I was talking about how you should never take estrogen on its own. You should ideally take it with bioidentical progesterone. The marina coil releases the synthetic progesterone called progestin, and it's the progestins that have more of the health risks associated with them. Many women have the marina coil to help lighten periods, and 
the bioidentical progesterone does the same thing with fewer risks. However, it isn't strong enough to stop ovulation and prevent pregnancy. So you definitely wouldn't want to swap to progesterone from the coil if you're still ovulating. Now that can be difficult to know, know whether you're still ovulating, because for many women, the marina coil stops your periods altogether. But of course, there are other ways, non-hormonal ways of preventing pregnancy. So if you're open to those, then it could be worth discussing switching with your doctor. You wouldn't need to take additional progesterone while you've got the coil though. Then your other question, um, is it worth paying to get bioidentical hormones as opposed to prescribed body identical? So bioidentical hormones are produced by compounding pharmacies and this means that the pharmacy is able to prepare custom doses and application methods to address individual needs of a patient. Body identical hormones are produced by large pharmaceutical companies in regulated and set dosages and set application methods. So they are pretty much the same but the doses and way of taking them may vary. And also the bioidentical version is unregulated. The terms are used interchangeably and when I've been using the term bioidentical I really just meant natural instead of synthetic. There may be circumstances where you may need bioidentical or the custom doses, but in most cases, the body identical that you can get through your GP should suffice. Just check that whatever you're getting is natural and not synthetic. And you know, to anyone who doesn't know what that means, then check out my episode about HRT from a couple of weeks ago. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to talk to me about anything that I've discussed in this episode, you can reach me on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Louise Digby Nutrition, or you can email me with your question to be answered on the podcast by emailing louise at louisedigbynutrition.com and pop podcast in the subject. If you're enjoying this podcast, please head to wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you click follow or subscribe and please leave a review. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.